outline and everything? Yeah. Sure do. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Welcome everyone to uh, Game Busters. This is a podcast from GameLuster.com. If you're new here, each week we usually do a deep dive into a game or a franchise we love or we want to talk about or ride the sweet SEO wave on our magical surfboards. Um, but this week we're doing something a little different and we're going to be talking about a specific topic in gaming, which I actually was thinking about doing a little more of in the future. So this is a good uh, little uh, backdoor pilot for that. Um, mm-hmm. But I am uh, Nirv, and I'm your host, and uh, I'm joined as always by my Amazonian co-host, Alyssa. Hello, hello. Uh, Alyssa, how tall are you today? Um, today, I think I'm about six foot. Okay. Oh, wow. I vary between like one to two inches. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and today we're joined by Nikhil. Hello. And uh, Marissa. Hi, everybody. Hey. So uh, today we are going to be doing something a little different. We're going to be talking about um, uh, accessibility in gaming and um, maybe we are still riding the SEO wave because this is a hot topic again because of Elden Ring. So, um, but yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll get into it. But yeah, let's let's open up with uh, what's what's everyone playing this week. So, Nikhil, what what have you been playing? Um, played a reasonable amount of League this week. Um, what is that? Well, I mean, what's, a, wait, what's, what's a reasonable, what's a reasonable amount, amount yeah. of League? <laughs> um, usually, I would say I play a low amount, but this week I played a reasonable amount, which might be like I don't know, an average of three to three games a day or something um that's a little more than reasonable for me <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's maybe getting into unreasonable but isn't um, each game like 45 minutes long yes yeah. <laughs> very long um but yeah i'm cl- climbing up the ranks trying to get back to platinum gold one right now so i'm just a few games away um and then i'll have be satisfied my quench will be my thirst will be quenched nice who do you mean in league um i've been playing a lot of karma oh okay just supporting the team. Is that Shield a healer? What was that? Support, I think typically. She's yeah, I've been playing her mid and top, um, but yeah, she's she's like a supportive champion. She just shields and heals people. Okay, nice. Yeah, I, that's uh, is she's now she's not jungling. No, she definitely doesn't want to be jungling. She she would have very much difficulty trying to to kill anything in the jungle. All right. well, I've said all of the words I know for League of Legends. <laughs> um, Timo is another one I know. Yeah, we don't talk about Timo though. Yeah. Kind of like Bruno. <laughs> yeah, wow, we don't talk about Timo. Might be something we That'd can be a do good actually. Song, yeah. we might be good. Let's put that on the back burner. I might do yeah, that. Yeah, we can make that. You guys can workshop uh, it. Yeah. Okay. Um so yeah, uh uh and how about you, Marissa? So, I haven't played a whole lot this week, but um recently Nikhil and I got into this show called One of Us is Lying. It's mm-hmm. based off of like a young adult novel, but it's kind of like a whodunit where there's five kids in detention and one of them ends up dying. And it's like kind of like this gossip girl kind of a kid um, who nobody really likes because he shares everybody's secrets. And you're basically spending the whole season seeing what led up to it, all of their backstories. And eventually we're going to find out who actually killed the kid. That sounds exactly like gossip girl. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, it, the only difference is like the kid goes around flaunting that he's the one posting on the app. He's like, "Oh yeah, I have all your secrets, and I'm going to post them." And then you oh, can, okay, interesting. So they they know who it is. Yeah, everybody yeah. knows who he is. Why doesn't somebody kill him? <laughs> he does. He's the one who dies. He's the one who dies. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. Oh, so it's like a prequel to that. Like, yeah. Uh, so okay. It's, it's pretty good actually, but it's yeah, um, it's interesting. It's uh, it's on Peacock. Yeah. Which uh, we don't Did have. You Peacock. subscribe to Peacock? No, no. We, we acquired the show and other means. Oh, thank sure. God. <laughs> Arg. Arg. <laughs> okay. 
Very cool. Um, how about you, Alyssa? Anything? Uh, I've been playing Apex. As Say usual. one other thing. <laughs> I, well, I'm gonna play Titanfall today. I'm gonna play okay. Titanfall two today. Hmm. One of my friends bought me Titanfall two, so I'm gonna play that on stream. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. And uh, is is there is there something new in Apex? Did they maybe add a new guy or something? They added a new. They added a new character. Like three weeks ago four weeks ago it's maggie i told you about her though yeah it's old news (laughs) (laughs) nothing changes it's okay i did get the 160 dollars skin though from uh you get the what the what there's a skin it's 160 dollars and i got it because i'm a filthy you paid 160 dollars for a skin okay i didn't just get the skin i got like 24 other items with the skin but i had to pay for all these other 24 items and to get the skin so i ended up spending like 100 40 something i think incredible yeah they got a filthy bloodhound me and i'm I'm sorry i I apologize you could have bought like three nintendo games for that much no i could have bought an elden ring i should have bought Elden. you could have bought elden ring instead (laughs) (laughs) um yeah uh so i have obviously been playing elden ring um i uh did on stream yesterday i'm gonna try and do another stream tonight actually which is by the time you're listening to this far in the past so never mind (laughs) um anyway uh yeah i i had so much fun with it i was like i I got so wrapped up in it i was like playing it for i realized i had been playing for two and a half hours i thought it had been like 45 minutes um so yeah it's it's good and it's like uh it's a little bit different about like difficulty because um whenever something is too hard you just like go somewhere else see that's the 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 pro strat for this game that you weren't able to do in like dark souls is that like if you lose to a a boss you can just leave just go do anything else yeah that's how i avoid most problems in my life yeah (laughs) i keep keep thinking of that thing in, in spongebob where like Patrick's like, wait, I have an idea. Let's what? Leave. We actually watched that episode this week. <laughs> Shanghai, we watched that episode. That's such a good one. Yeah, it's one of the best ones. It's yeah, so was it that was the perfume department and everything? Yeah, the perfume yeah. department. Mm-hmm. I didn't know there were the, all of these alternate Oh, yeah, do you, remember, do you remember the DVD where we had the three endings on it? I, I don't. What are you talking about? Like, at the very end, he does Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Moe to get, who, see who gets the last witch, the Flying Dutchman. Oh my god, you're right. And like there's the never seen where it lands on Patrick or Squidward, only like the SpongeBob one. So, yeah, they had like extras on, on the DVD. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to them? Um well SpongeBob's was that he wished the uh Dutchman was a vegetarian, which is the true ending, but then he turns them all into fruit and eats them. Yeah. Um and then Patrick's was like I what was Patrick's? Oh my gosh, what was Patrick's? Um Maybe we don't remember them. I don't remember Patrick's. Oh my gosh. Or do you know Squidward's? No, but they all end up in the same like predicament. Though. Yeah, basically they get like they all get eaten. They all get turned. Like, you all see him in the Flying Dutchman's stomach, whereas like with SpongeBob, it's kind of just implied. Yeah, you can see him in like the blender with as the fruits. Uh kind of a darker ending. Yeah, yeah. like he's already eaten them in, in Squidward and Patrick's ending. Mm-hmm. Cheat. <laughs> Um, yeah, that cartoon yeah. was morbid. At it times. was. They, oh, yeah. they went like really crazy <laughs> in there sometimes. But um, yeah, anyway, the I think the games we'll probably actually probably are going to talk about it a little bit in here because it's sort of on on topic. But um, yeah, like it, it's a I the first like I, I've played like six hours of this game now, and the first six hours of it are already like much easier than and I have had in, a time in any other 
like Souls game. Um, and again, it's because like if you just like if there's something that's too strong, you can just go like kill a few goblins and then level up and then just come back, you know, like other video games. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, let's uh, I guess let's get into it. So um, I think the the first thing that I want to start off on is like uh, talking about then this this is actually the thing that has come up in, in recent days is like what is accessibility and like accessibility not being the same thing as approachability because um, of course from software and their games the you know Dark Souls and then Elden Ring um, and Bloodborne their other stuff has uh, you know is is known as like you know very difficult. Um, they're the dark souls of video games. And uh, it's a thing where people will like, and including myself are like, you know, lamenting, like, why isn't that, why won't they put in an easy mode? You know, like, cause these games are so overly difficult that there's really only a small subsection of people that are able to complete them. Um, And it's like, you know, why don't, why won't they just add in an easy mode? And this ends up becoming a conversation about like, um, saying these games are, are uh, inaccessible. And that's not really the case. So uh, when we're talking about accessibility in, in gaming, what we're like really talking about is the ability of somebody, like the, the ability that somebody has to just play the, play the game. And it's totally not the, the same thing as, as approachability, which is that like this game is on a, like, like for instance, Dark Souls is on, on a game design level inaccessible because it is something that requires a lot of work to make any progress in but it's not it's not inaccessible because it uh is requiring uh you know set uh, was it it's not making like sensory requirements of you that are beyond what what you can do i don't know if i'm making a lot of sense here but basically like what i'm saying is like an easy mode only goes like so far for accessibility and many disabled gamers like just want to play the normal game you know what i mean like there are a lot of people out there who are uh you know disabled in some way or another and just want to play dark souls the same way as everybody else right people are not looking for an easy mode necessarily and so a bit of work on the developers end, like that that kind of stuff can can be done and sometimes it's a hardware solution sometimes it's a software solution and sometimes it has to be a combination but, um, you know, the disabled gamers have, like, continually gone above and beyond. They have to work extra hard to just experience things that, like, we consider really mundane, you know? Like, there is, of course, that person who spent years and years, uh, a blind person spent years and years working to beat Ocarina of Time. Um, and they, they did it, you know? After years of practice. That was the that was just what the video game they played for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, I saw, I remember there was something where somebody um, who... Uh, didn't have use of their arms was able to spend years and they uh, beat Celeste by just playing with their feet, stuff like that. So like, while that stuff is really cool, it's something that shouldn't like be required of people to just play the games that we're all playing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It shouldn't like have to take them years and years to have to be able to beat it or like get to a certain level. It should, it should ideally be, made in such a way where it's where it's easier to access it that way if like if there's like physical limitations um you know that they can they can still play the game just like as anybody else like if who doesn't have those same kind of um like physical 
disabilities or things like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I saw there's this 2010 study. So this is a little out of date now, but I didn't find a newer one. Um, estimating that 2% of the U.S. population is unable to play a game at all because of an impairment and 9% can play games but suffer from a reduced gaming experience because of impairments. Um, And uh, another study found that uh, about one in five casual people who play video games have some sort of disability that prevents them from fully interacting with a game. So it's like not a small problem, I guess is what I'm getting at. And even if it was a small problem, it'd be something to address, but it's not a small problem. Um, so like these uh, accessibility features are generally split, in, split into like three different categories, which are visual and audio, motor, and then cognitive impairments. And each of these things requires different strategies to tackle. And of course, there have been significant strides made in the, uh, you know, helping people with visual and audio impairments, mm-hmm. um, less so with the motor stuff and even less so with cognitive impairments. Um, so there's obviously like a lot of work to do, but like there you know, th- this is one of those things where like a simple, um, let's say this, this is for you, you know, every online game has a color, has colorblind modes. Yeah, I even use them. I mean, like, I personally don't need them, but I use them even just because it makes it easier to see sometimes. Yeah. Um, and uh, I do have a, fr- it, Ryan, Ryan was on the podcast last week. Um, Ryan's like super duper colorblind. Mm-hmm. Um, but he plays like, uh, you know, Valorant and CS and, and like a ton of other stuff online and he does have to utilize the color uh, blind modes but he's also mentioned to me a few times that some games have color blind modes that like just literally don't work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean it, it depends on like i guess the yeah, type of different color blindness color blindness you have. yeah yeah oh that right would... like different there, there's like several different kinds and even um i remember this being a thing in the earlier days of overwatch where they had just a color blind mode when the game launched and it didn't really work for anybody and it wasn't until almost two years after the game came out that they had like a whole spectrum of like eight different colorblind modes so that people could play the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's good that they were able to like, I guess, get all those different colorblind modes in, but it seems odd to me that they would only put one colorblind mode in. See, the beginning that's the thing is that it's that suffices. right. And the problem is that they do that because for a lot of developers, this is an afterthought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Sorry, Nico, what were you saying? I think I interrupted you. Oh, no, no. I was just agreeing with like the, the colorblind mode. I think red green is like the most common. So I think that's the one mode that they that a lot of developers will put in. But then there's like several other types of colorblindness that just don't get addressed and probably aren't solved by the red green mode. Yeah. Um, so like basically when you're like tackling this kind of stuff, what you need to look at first is your barriers to access. So there's a lot of different things that could be the problem. Maybe you're not able to receive like feedback from the game due to sensory impairments, like, you know, visual and audio stuff, not being able to hear dialogue between characters or audio cues. Um, And I can tell you for a a fact that like something like um, Valorant or Overwatch, if you can't hear like people's footsteps and stuff, those games are pretty much not playable. (laughs) Also, if you can't understand, I guess, like maybe what you're hearing, that could also be a deterrent because like hearing an old or like hearing and understanding whose old it is. Like, it's very important to the game. It is. It's very vital to it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that is another thing that, again, Overwatch did address eventually. But I remember that was, like, somewhat recently. Like, within the last few years, they put in, like, a little indicator at the bottom for, like, hearing impaired people so that they could see, like, who was ulting and, like, what direction it was coming from and stuff. But, again, it's, like, just such an afterthought. And it's, like, too little, too late kind of a thing. Yeah. And I don't even know. I don't think Valorant has anything like that either at the moment. Um, may not. I don't think so. Like, there's audio cues in the same way, but usually I just turn on like, uh, like captioning 
and then I can like see. Yeah. I have aud- I have, I have auditory processing issues, so that like captioning at the very least helps me a lot. Yeah. How good sure. are the captions? Um, I mean they're good. I mean it it I think it depends what because like some games have different I guess caption modes. So either you have like just the verbal captions, and then you have games that do verbal captions, and then also like like maybe sounds that you're hearing. I don't think mm-hmm. Valorant does the sounds; they just do the verbal. Yeah, so, I think that's what it is. Yeah, and a, a lot of I mean like. I'm glad that we're at least at a point where, like, I don't think there's been a game released in the last 10 years that doesn't have subtitles, but, like... Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, that's good, but, like, it, it also is, like, one of those things where there was a long time, it, it took years, it took decades for that to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if anyone else, like, I've never, like, watched or consumed anything without subtitles. Like Same. I have them yeah. on all the time for everything, and I don't. I don't really have any hearing impairments or anything. I just like having them there because I often like not paying attention. Yeah, my so. family just gets so mad. They they hate like they hate having captions really? on anything. They're not necessarily mad at me. They just hate having captions on things. They probably just don't like it on the bottom of the screen or something like that. Yeah. But I like genuinely need it sometimes because I can't understand what people are saying. There's a lot of yeah shows with like thick accents. Like, yeah, I was about to say British that was for, like Irish mm-hmm. accents. They're like really hard to pick out everywhere. Yeah, yeah, one one show I remember having to like actually rely on the captions was when I was watching Skins. Like people got like heavy. There's some characters with like heavy like Cockney accents and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, like, and then you know that's that's neither here nor there. But like. It's just one of those simple things and it's like it's like the most basic thing and I'm glad that it is like a, a such a basic thing it's kind of built in now but again it's like um there should be a lot more features that are like basically like just come standard with the territory you know mm-hmm. um but yeah then of course like we talked about there's like motor impairments people have which are you know um excuse me um having to rely on like a switch controllers. Now when I say switch controllers, I'm not talking about joy cons, but like um, switch controllers are basically like they call them switches, like basically um, third party kinds of things that you have to plug in for different command inputs um, as alternatives to certain buttons. So um, a lot of times, you know, if they're a simple version of that would be if you are somebody that doesn't have the ability to pull like a trigger on a controller, you might have a foot pedal attached and uh, the foot pedal can act as a trigger. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Or I've seen some where it's like um, almost like, the, you know, that big old like staples button. It's like that was easy. So there's one like that where it's just like the big old button and somebody could hit it with like their fist closed or their hands open. And then that will control whatever you're trying to do. Maybe yeah. they have like one for like, moving directions or what for like a and b um yeah yeah there's we'll actually get to the um the i have like a whole thing about like the xbox adaptive controller down there we'll get to in a second which is like kind of the best version of this but Mm -hmm. um and then there's also the cognitive stuff which i think is the it is like an absolute afterthought for i mean even for me it's not something that i've ever really thought about before until i was looking at this but um, there are a lot of people with uh, learning disabilities. They have low literacy. They have a uh, you know different needs. Um, there's also uh, factoring in stuff like uh, like dyslexia. You know, mm-hmm. like having people being uh, like relying on people being able to read something quickly is you know and I mean frankly like just something that's like uh, not it's, it's inaccessible. You know, 
Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of people, and dyslexia is not like an uncommon thing. Like that, people have just kind of like learned to like you know grit and bear it for a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, then there's also like um, people with learning impairments, right? Like uh, there there are a lot of people with learning impairments that aren't able to you know process things with like you know. Uh, complex RPG systems with like 50 layers, you know, that you're trying to think about at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are a lot of people with learning disabilities that like are not, they're not like, you know, with, with Down syndrome or anything, they're just, you know, normal functioning people and just have some issues with specific learning disabilities. Like there are specific learning disabilities that like are like, hey, I can't do math very quickly. Like, hold on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So all that stuff is stuff that like, you know, needs to be factored in but it's not something that people really think about when designing a game and it's not that every game needs to be like designed to like work like that but um i mean like we'll we'll get to it at the end but like the thing is just like having the consultants coming in early in the process so you can design your game around that way you know Mm um so yeah as far as hardware solutions the big one um that uh, i don't know have you have you guys seen it before or looked at it before the Xbox adaptive controller. I don't think so. I think I've seen like commercials for it. Like they do run commercials for it and stuff. And like, they've, they always run stuff for it during like big events, like E3 and like the game awards and stuff. They always like remind people that it's around. Um, it is, um, technologically at least it is like a huge achievement in accessibility. Cause basically what it is like, there's like a flat tablet kind of a thing and it has 19, uh, ports on it. And, um also has like audio ports and stuff like that and there are a crazy variety of different switches like i mentioned of levers giant buttons you know things like that uh foot pedals uh even things that interact with your mouth you know stuff like that that Mm -hmm. you can use to uh and you can set as inputs for controller so um, you know, these commercials they have will always show like, yeah, like somebody with no arms is able to play this game like quite normally. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really cool thing. Again, like technologically, it is an extremely cool thing. And I'm really happy that that's there. It does work with, you know, Xbox devices, obviously, and PC. And it also works on uh, PlayStation and Switch as well. Um, so Microsoft actually has formatted it to work with uh, all the consoles. Um it's been a huge success in the market and they, they keep adding new switches. There has been some pushback because the price of entry where uh, the actual switchboard is a hundred dollars. And then each of the switches after that are like 20 to $30, I believe. Oh my gosh. Right. And so that's why I kept saying like technologically it is an achievement, but there is a problem with it being basically like a disability tax, right? Like, yeah. Cause you know, buying one like regular standard controller is like, what like sixty dollars or something but Mm -hmm. this could cost you hundreds of dollars right just to have a controller that works right so yeah i don't know if anyone has any thoughts on that but um well it kind of reminds so i have a left footed gas pedal it's adapted um Mm -hmm. because i don't have like my my left foot is stronger than my right foot and like my reaction time is easier so when i first started driving i got like checked out by a rehab hospital and they were like, oh, a left-footed gas pedal works for you. And they donated a manual one to me. So that saved me like, I don't know, like probably hundreds of dollars. And then to install it back when I was like 18, it was only like 200 bucks. And then recently, like two years ago, I bought a new car 
And I was doing research and I was like, hey, I need a new gas pedal. How's this going to work? Found out that they only do like electrical gas pedals. So basically, in addition to me buying this new car, I had to pay like an additional, I want to say like 1200 to get the pedal like in my car and to get it installed. So I was like, oh man, like I saved up all this money for this car and now I have to like have a little bit of extra. So luckily with the delivery, we were able to like kind of negotiate a little bit less on the price because we were like, hey, she has to get this left bit of gas pedal. But for somebody who wants to play like a game and wants to just have this like adaptive controller where they can use stuff, I'm like, man, you really got to save up an extra like a hundred and some. And it's not like a car dealership where you can just kind of like negotiate, hey, can I get a little bit of a discount on this because I need it kind of a thing. Yeah, it's um, this is it's uh, I don't I don't even know if this is maybe it's worth the comparison. But like I think about things like this and then I think about like uh, the price of like insulin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I need this to just like kind of be alive. Can you guys maybe help me out? Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's a really rough thing, and it's it's one of those things where the industry itself needs to figure out some way to subsidize those kinds of things. Um, well, there also needs to be. I mean, if it's the only option of its kind, there needs to be like more options to. I mean, that's the whole way the market's supposed to work, right? If this is the only option, that's the reason it's it's priced so high. I mean, other other companies need to be making similar devices. Yeah, they they should be. Um, and that's, a, yeah, that's the thing too. Like there isn't anybody who has the money to put into the R&D or I'll say who's willing to put the money into the R&D. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo and Sony have the money. <laughs> like that's not, that's yeah, not they have the money. Yeah, yeah. They're just not willing to, to do yeah. that because whatever internal, um, you know, metrics they have show that like the money that we make off of this product, getting those customers in is not going to be worth the R&D to get there. Um, so this is one of those things where it's like, if you were looking at this from like a perfect, like a, like a purely capitalist standpoint, like, yeah, maybe there isn't a reason for them to make it. But like, if you like, you know, have like an ounce of human empathy, like maybe we should do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same, it's the same uh, argument with companies making more sustainable products in general when there's not a financial incentive. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, like the right thing to do, but it's not going to be the best economic decision. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time it isn't like sometimes it is, but like, yeah, most of the time it's just, it's, it's a lot of upfront uh, money too. And that this is a different topic, but like renewable energy and stuff like that is cost saving in the long run. It is usually pretty expensive upfront. Um, it can cost millions of dollars to erect one wind turbine, but then like, you know, it just goes right. There's minimal maintenance on it and it just goes. Um, and most companies aren't willing to put the upfront money because that's not going to look good for their quarterly reports. Because they're, they're like, you're reporting a loss of like, you know, like $500 million setting up your wind farm. It's like, well, and it's like, when are you going to earn that back? It's like, oh, over the next 60 years. Yeah. It's just yeah. it's just not conducive to like a capitalist environment. Um, but anyway, so um, there's some other people of note, like Special Effect, which is a UK based charity where there are therapists and technologies uh, technologists who like modify game controllers and create iMotion software to help with accessibility. And also the controller project, which I do know about, is a, a volunteer-based project where people can like request uh, custom controllers to fit their specific needs. Um, which again, you know, like is a really cool thing. They're obviously extremely backed up, <laughs> um, 
but it is a really cool thing that people are doing. Um, but again, it comes back to the like, they, people shouldn't have to do that. These things should be like available out of the box. Yeah. Um, so there's some interesting stuff like from the legal side that I found, which I didn't know was something that had happened. But um, so in the U.S., there's 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, which is a CVAA. It brought up-to-date accessibility guidelines for advanced communication services, which is considered to include video games with communication elements, which are including text, voice chat, user interface, etc. So essentially, this covers like online games. Mm-hmm. So video game trade groups, including the ESA, um, who you might know from uh, being really shitty at doing E3, um, <laughs> have uh, requested waivers consistently for enforcement over video games. Um, they've argued while there is strong interest in the video game community to provide accessibility, video games are first and foremost for entertainment and not for communication. And because of that, the complexity of video game software, uh, there are very few standardized solutions compared to the other platforms. So basically, like I looked into this, that pretty much every large video game company has lobbied against this law. Um, they do not want to, they do not want to follow this, which is not surprising. Yeah. But like they don't want to comply with making communication more accessible in games. Yeah. Yeah. That's really odd to me because I feel like most like the biggest part, at least for me and like my friends and what I what I've experienced in multiplayer games is being able to communicate. And I mean, and in the end, we have like things like Discord mm-hmm. in case like you can't really communicate efficiently in games. Right. But mm-hmm. Discord wouldn't have been needed if communication in games is more efficient. Right. And this this law is active still, by the way. It's just something that they have fought against. But it is something that people are following. It's odd to fight against it. Well, yeah. There's it, it's. I, I don't know if it was at the beginning when they were thinking like, oh, we, we're, we're going to have to spend a lot more money and time and resources on making the communication stuff accessible. Um, but, I mean, I, I guess people just had to end up complying with it, so... Yeah. Um, and this is a separate thing, but games are also being increasingly used as education tools. So there may be a legal obligation to make them accessible in that regard, uh, in accordance to the Rehabilitation Act that mandates schools and universities that rely on federal funding have to make electronic information technologies accessible. So as of 2015, the FCC requires in-game communication between players on consoles to be accessible to everyone with sensory disabilities as well. Um. So things are like legally, I guess, moving in a good direction. But again, we're, we're really just scratching the surface on this stuff with audio and visual stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they're saying sensor disabilities, I imagine they're just uh, meaning like audio and visual, right? Yeah. That, that, that's what sensory means. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's, they... there's basically like sensory, motor, and cognitive categories. So, But I mean, how does that apply to like a voice chat on console? It would be like, I guess, maybe taking the audio that you're getting from somebody else and like translating it to text or something like that. Yeah. Stuff like that. Oh, so like text to speech or speech to text kind of. Yeah. 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 Okay. And those kinds of solutions are in pretty much, I think, I mean, I don't know how well they work, but they, they are in most of these major online games. I know them out at least. Um, again, I've not tried any of them. I can't imagine that speech to text is in a great place for online gaming yeah, at this I moment. Say, I don't think it's that good. Yeah. I mean, if like your cell phones have that option and like half the time it doesn't even get it correctly. Yeah. I, I can imagine like with video games, it's a similar like. Yeah, I was, I was just talking at a conference last week we had and we had a uh, 
Windows 11 has a thing built in for that now so that whenever you do a PowerPoint on the bottom of the screen, it does a speech to text thing as you talk, mm-hmm. um, which we did. And like, sometimes it worked really well. And then sometimes it just would start like spitting out like nonsense words that like weren't like just a completely unintelligible. Yeah. So like that kind of stuff has a long way to go. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that it's it's coming again, but like it's just it's just yeah, one of those things where sorry. It's slow progress for sure. I mean, Texas speech has been like around for like a decade now and still hasn't, yeah. isn't perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing where like that could, I'm, I'm sh- I don't know, like I'm not in the engine, I'm not like in the sound engineering booths or whatever, but like, that's the thing where if people had put in the, the, the money and resources and stuff to get it done, like that could be in a perfect state right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And for the first time we have a word from our sponsors. Yay. Hey. hey, we're getting paid. Um, everyone listen <laughs> to our good ad now. Please, please. Has this ever happened to you? Oh, come on. What's happening to my ping? Are you winning, son? Shut up, mom. I'm trying to play the hit MMORPG Final Fantasy XIV, now available with the free demo up to level 60. I'm doing a raid with the lads, but my connection's getting throttled. Oh yeah, the ISP does that when you use too much data in one month, no matter what plan you have. What? But I've barely played this month. I may or may not have been wrecking noobs in Apex every night for six to eight hours with the squad. Most of those noobs are 14-year-old children. You're a grown woman. Whatever. Either way, we're getting like three megabytes down. Ah! Gamer rage! What are we gonna do? There is a solution, and that solution is NordVPN. What's that? Is that another DLC for Assassin's Creed Valhalla? Stop making them, that game's too long as it is. Nope, NordVPN protects your data so that you can't be tracked by anyone, not even your internet service provider. And it's the fastest VPN on the planet. That means that no matter how much data you use, your ISP won't throttle your bandwidth. And it protects you from DDoS attacks too, so you can dab on the haters while they miss you with that shit. NordVPN works with Mac, Linux, Windows, iOS, and Android right out the box. And you can even hook it to your router to cover you while playing on Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo Switch. Plus, your Wi-Fi networks will be protected from outside attacks. So while Luigi Buttmuncher69, the bastard, won't be able to hack your router to stop you from reaching Diamond. If you follow the link in the description, you'll get a special deal for gamers only that gets you two years of NordVPN for 70% off to celebrate their 10th birthday. So stop fighting your own ping and start fighting the red team. Wow, we're saved and for such a reasonable price. Now I can invade my idiot friends in Elden Ring for hours on end. Thanks, Mom and Mysterious Announcer Man. Don't mention it. Have fun gaming safely with NordVPN. Okay, I guess we're back. That was uh, for for you. It was a full minute, but for us, it felt like only moments. Um, because it was <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the uh. Yeah. So uh. I want to talk about like awareness a little bit. So um. I don't know if I think you guys probably have heard of Able Gamers. Have you? I think so. They're uh. They're like a fairly large group now. Um. It's an organization led by Stephen Spawn. Um the able gamer. Um, 
he's uh, become kind of like the face of accessibility in the gaming sphere. Like every time some company wants to talk about accessibility, they call him on, you know, stuff like that. Um, but he has consulted on working with developers and providing feedback uh, that's been incorporated after launch um, as with Sifu very recently. So generally whenever a AAA game comes out, you know, he'll um, th- uh, a lot of companies will, you know, give him like an early review copy and, there, the Able Gamers group will do like a, a kind of an accessibility review of the game, like how playable is this for people with various disabilities, um, and um, so they've actually taken the advice to heart a few times from from this group. Like um, Sifu came out a few weeks ago. God, it's been a long few weeks. Yeah, it came <laughs> out three weeks ago. Oh my god. I know. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So. Sifu is a is another like kind of ultra hard game, but in addition to that, it also has a lot of issues with um, working for for people with um, motor disabilities. Like it's just something that you like can't really do. And so, um, you know, he I remember he just kind of like tweeted about like, hey, like you know, if anyone's disabled in these kinds of ways, like you don't bother with Sifu. It's not going to work. Like, um, and they actually like saw that and responded to him and said like, hey, we want to bring you in for consulting. Like we want to fix these things. Um, and he's like, yeah, that's great. And like, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can, but like at this stage in the development of your game, there's not a lot that can be done. Um, but they are, they are doing some updates for accessibility purposes. I know. Um, so that's the thing. Like, again, we've come back to a few times now, but like they've also created a group called APX, which is basically a consulting group to try to get accessibility consultants into these AAA game studios with the developers in the early stages of development um, so that things can be built in a way from the ground up that work for the most amount of people. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Does anyone have any any uh, experience with... Uh, I, I do want to ask, like, does anyone have any, like, thoughts on, like, something like that where a game, like, has come out and then, like, you know, is trying to, like, scoot in features i guess like after launch to to get more people in because again it, it's it's treating it as like an afterthought as like a second class kind of a thing you know yeah it makes me think that like they they need some kind of uh i, I know my like, games aren't purchased on on a box in the store anymore but like some kind of either like able gamers or another entity to like certify that a game is you know been deemed accessible um yeah i think that's a good idea i mean like having yeah, some sort of game yeah, like, I mean, like, you know, like, the ESRB, like, rates the game for, like, maturity or whatever. Like, yeah. it'd be good to have the same certification process for accessibility from someone. Um, and then, then you would know it had been done, be- like, during development and before launch, not, like, this kind of situation. So yeah, maybe exactly. you don't buy it not knowing that you won't really be able to play it. Right. Yeah. Right. And you could do it where you could have, like, the different categories, too. So you could be like, oh, this is really good for people with, like, sensory disabilities. This is, like, appropriate for people with, like, cognitive or, like, motor disabilities. So that yeah. way there's kind of, like, that specificity within, like, the range of accessibility, I guess. So that um, so the uh, International Game Developers Association um, created a special interest group on um, game accessibility uh, called you know, just the game Expe- game accessibility special interest group. It's a good name. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that committee in 2004 proposed 19 accessibility guidelines. Um, one of you know some as basic as every game needs to have subtitles to uh, some other stuff. But um, they uh, started promoting that and the uh, 
a lot of studios are members of the IGDA, like not all of them, but all of those studios have been following these guidelines, uh, which are almost exclusively about colorblindness and auditory disabilities. But um, that uh, that that promotion, not promotion, what I'm trying to say, that effort by the IGDA has made a significant difference in game development over the last 15 years or so. Um, but again, is only tackling, you know, like visual and audio stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, another note, as of 2020, the Game Awards began recognizing excellence and accessibility as one of its awards to try to draw attention to those who were going like above and beyond in the field. Um, the first year uh, that was available in 2020, The Last of Us Part Two won that award. Um, I don't know. Has anyone else played The Last of Us Part Two? No. I played Part One. <laughs> I haven't played Part Two yet. So... Um, the Last of Us 2 has maybe like the most robust like accessibility options I've ever seen in a video game. There are literally dozens of, of pages of things you can do to like change around the game. And like just even all even all the way down to like what is shown in the game, what is featured and like the, the colors of specific things like that. And um, the you can even change like the aggressiveness of like specific enemy types, stuff like that. Oh, wow um it's yeah it's actually so crazy that uh the a blind person was able to play through the game by like putting on the right settings in its entirety like when it came out that's really cool i mean that's that's awesome that they're able yeah to... using the 3d audio headphones and everything you can actually set it so that like it fully focuses like combat is fully focused on your hearing so you can that's actually so cool. still fight like in this yeah. open environment in an action adventure game like that um it's kind of a jokingly like that award is kind of jokingly called the last of us award because like it was very clearly created to be like, Holy shit. <laughs> look at mm-hmm. this, you know? Um, but anyway, a uh, shout out to that a game. And I, I really hope more stuff follows it like that in the future. Um, so some other like notable software things that have happened. Um, there's a game I reviewed last year or two years ago. Oh, geez. Maybe it was two years ago. Um, called a uh, blind drive which is uh, kind of an arcade game, but it uh, doesn't have any visuals on the screen. It's just an entirely audio game. You can buy it on Steam. It's on consoles too, I think. Um, But uh, it's a very simple arcade game. You're just driving a car blindfolded down a highway, (laughs) so backwards. And so you're like listening for for cars and and other audio cues and stuff. And so you're like, you know, driving around on this road. It's like a racing game, but there's no visuals. Um. It's pretty fun. Um, the much more significant thing, which I think, Alyssa, have you heard of this, The Veil? No, I haven't. I feel really bad because it went like totally under the radar. It came out like six months ago. Um, I did an interview with the developers a while ago about how they made this game. Mm-hmm. But uh, The Veil is a like uh, is a uh, is an action adventure like narrative driven game that is that has no visuals. Okay. It is a completely black screen the entire time, but it is a full like 12 to 15 hour action game. Just with audio cues. Yeah, only only audio based. And you're actually moving around physically in the world, like with the control stick oh. and everything. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, just cool. Create the visual. Yeah, it's fully explorable. Like, so you play the game as a blind woman. And so like, you know, your your, your protagonist, like you cannot see. And so you can't either. Um mm-hmm. But, you know, everything is done by, again, like audio cues and like, like, you know, intelligently using the rumble and stuff like that in the controller. Mm -hmm. There is a free demo on Steam you can try, which is like unbelievable. 
like I remember playing that demo and just being like having my mind blown how well it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to wear headphones, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I recommend you try that out. It's so cool that somebody has made such an effort and um, that uh, uh, that I did with the, the developers Blind Squirrel. They had so much interesting insight on working with the blind community because um, they had, you know, they had consultants in there like right from day one, basically, on working on this. Like, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they did a phenomenal job. I, I really admire their their work on that. So if you want to check out that interview, it's on uh, techraptor.net. But if you just go there and, and look for a Blind Squirrel interview, you can see that. Um, I'll definitely check out that the game. demo. Yeah, play that demo. It's it's free. It's very cool. Um, so uh, we talked about the colorblindness stuff. Um, yeah, does anyone have any other like notable software or like games or something that have have made an extra effort to you to to like be accessible in some way? I can't think of any. I mean, I'm not a super huge gamer, so I'll be honest. I don't have a lot of experience, like kind of looking into different Fake softwares gamers. and things like that. Everywhere. Um, my brother though, he, he was born deaf and he has cochlear implants, but he games a lot. So I know that he uses his headphones and he like plays a lot of games with his friends on like steam. And, um, I know he plays like league sometimes and, and I've asked him kind of about his experiences and he seems to be doing okay. Cause he wears like his headphones and he can play pretty well, but I know mm-hmm. that there are times, um, especially with people that he isn't super familiar with. Um, Like what we mentioned earlier, he'll miss what was said or he might like miss an audio cue. And so he's kind of like scrambling to try to figure out what the next step is versus like playing with his friends who've known him since he was in high school that kind of know how to like help him out and kind of pick up the pieces where maybe it's fallen off. But he loves gaming. Like out of our family, he's the big gamer and, um, I know that he he really likes playing, but I'll have to ask him, see if there are any like really good games that he likes to play um, that are really good with like their software and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's one of those things is like being able to clearly hear somebody talking at the second that it's said for these online games specifically. Um, one of my favorite memories in um, Overwatch is like this comp game I was playing uh, where we were on... Uh, we were on attack on a uh, King's row and it was like the very last second we were like in overtime and um, I was like kind of freaking out. I was playing Reaper and uh, like we, we were surrounded like it was just me on uh, or it was just me and one other guy and I was like floating above and this guy just yelled like Reaper clear it and I just like was like ah and I like just reactionarily ulted and I killed the entire other team at once and we won the game. And that kind of a thing, I remember that moment because it was so cool, but that kind of a thing is a thing where if you have a hearing disability, could have just completely landed flat mm-hmm. <laughs> of any yeah. kind, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, all, like, all team competitive games, you're, you're similar, like it's very uh, real-time, you know, action going on and you have to be able to communicate, like, as things are happening, um, like even Valorant or, or COD or anything like that, too. Yeah, and, and for that kind of stuff, I do think the solution is probably, like, putting in the money and the, and the, in the human like resource into the R and D for getting stuff like the speech to text and, and vice versa working perfectly, you know, like, like especially if 2% of people like have impairments that prevent them from playing video games, it's a very large amount of people. That's a like, lot of people. Yeah. Like if 2% yeah. of Americans is like, what, how much is that? Like 600,000 or 700,000? No, like 60, well, like 60,000. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. That's still that's like a lot of people though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you think about it from like a business standpoint, that's a lot of money these companies are losing out on. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying is I think there have to be some people in there doing some calculations and being like, oh, well, the amount of money we'd make off of them isn't isn't worth the, the, the time and effort. But like, I mean, I don't know. But it's also just a better product for everybody. I mean, like more. Yeah, though, that's a great point for everybody. Like I said, like I don't have a disability. I watch everything with subtitles just because it makes the product better for everything. Like even on Netflix sure. or whatever, you know, like um, it does. It's yeah, you're right. It is one of those things where just like, well, it will make it better for everybody and worse for nobody. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah. So, um, yeah, just to kind of get into some other um more i don't know some sort of like uh broad questions like what do you think that we what do you guys think that we can do as consumers to kind of push this kind of stuff for if we need to i don't know is there anything we can do as consumers to like push people to these companies to consider doing this this these kinds of accessibility options i mean i I think the biggest thing is always just going to be not buying games that, that aren't accessible and that aren't doing it properly um, yeah, I think it's it's troublesome because this the voting with your wallet thing has been proven basically time and time again to not work. Like, yeah. um, just because people are not do people just don't do it. I mean, even when you know there's a massive outcry about something, like more people buy it than ever before. You know, no matter what it is or if it's warranted or not. Um, and so like. I mean, like, I think championing... Well, I mean, Cyberpunk actually got pressured to fix their game, right? By enough people refunding it. So, I mean, I think that was an example where it actually happened. Yeah, that's true. It took them over a year to fix it, but it's fixed now. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I can't believe they released that game in December in 2020, and it they they released, like, the fixed version a, a week ago. Seriously, yeah. though? It's crazy. Oh, wow. The game... So, the, the game really should not have come out until now. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It would have hit a lot harder if they just, you know, waited. What they should have, I, I keep saying this, and I think, I'm sure they know this in hindsight too, like that December 2020 date, they should have released it as an early access PC only game and been like, hey, we're working on the console ones. It's going to take a little longer. Yeah. That, was, that <laughs> anyway. Yeah. As far as being consumers, like the only thing that I can ever think to do is provide feedback. Like, like if you notice something that maybe you think the developers didn't notice or like you have a friend who's having a specific issue with a game, just providing that feedback. They don't always listen, but if you say it enough times or if you like say it in a loud enough voice, sometimes it is heard. Yeah. Like Sifu is a good example of people were making a lot of noise about it. And um, the developers noticed and committed to fixing some of the issues, you know, like, so it can, it can happen. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so let me see here. Um, so what So what? What do the developers need to do better? Because I think we're all pretty much on the same page of like, there need to be accessibility consultants coming in to work with you on um, on a base level during the design phase, for the, especially for these AAA studios. But like, what do you think about these uh, indie studios that can't afford consultants and stuff like that? I mean, what, where, do, where do we go from there? I mean, it doesn't even need to be a con- consultant. I mean, you can just reach out to the local you know, community, maybe there's a blind community in your area or, or any, any sort of, you know, disabled community, you can just reach out to them and, and talk to them as, as human to human and get ideas for how to make your game more accessible. You don't have to pay for a consultant. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like there are, there are, there are outreach groups and everything like 
that are more than happy to work with you on stuff like that, you know? Um, but, um, yeah, sorry. I'd say maybe more visibility as well. Cause like, just like if you go to like, like even some of the big game developers websites and you look for like their statement on accessibility, some of them are just so minimal. Like they don't, they don't say anything about what kind of accessibility, like what they're trying to do to make accessibility better Mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of their players. So like, if you don't have even just the simplest statement or I wouldn't say the simplest statement, cause a lot of them really do the bare minimum, but like doing your best to provide uh, the people that you're making games for with information about what you're doing, then I don't know. It just, you have, you have to take accountability in that way. Yeah. And I think that if you're not being accountable, then you're just completely ignoring a ton of people. Yeah. I don't know if, I feel like these like developers are aware of like people with disabilities. Um, but I don't know if they're like, if they fully get it, if that makes sense, like, or if they're really taking it into account. So like what Alyssa said, if you can give feedback, if we can just make like a little bit more noise and, and, and everything, like maybe that'll be kind of the wake up call to these developers to kind of see like, Hey, there are these people out there. Like I didn't know about the 2% kind of um, fact that you were mentioning. And that just kind of blows my mind about how many people out there that, Maybe want to play these like video games, but aren't able to for whatever yeah. reason. Um, so I think it's it's good that this is being talked about, and I'm sure this is a topic that are on like a lot of people's minds. And so I think if hopefully if somewhere down the line developers hear it from consumers and people that work at the companies from wherever, that they'll start to really understand like, okay, this is this is what's happening. This is what needs to be done. We need to get somebody in here early on to kind of give us a little bit of guidance on, on what we can do better. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, like you were saying exactly right. Like a lot of game developers are still super unaware of like what accessibility is in a game. And then even the developers who are acknowledging it and the importance of it and championing it don't actually know how to implement it. Um, like, you know, games, uh, that are, you know, made for these kinds of things usually like lack the, the quality like there are games that are made, you know, specifically for, uh, like I said, like for blind people and like a lot of like most of the time, those things are like the first game I mentioned, Blind Drive, just like a fun little arcadey thing you can do for like, you know, an hour or two. It's mm-hmm. not like something of the level that other people are getting to play. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't know, but I, I get what you're saying. Like, it's one of those things where like, I think there are a lot of developers that would like to do that, but they just like don't know how. And, yeah. you know, that's that's when, like, getting those people in the room that it directly affects is what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, um, Marissa, I did want to ask you specifically, uh-huh. has there been, like, a game that you have wanted to play and just, like, weren't physically able to? So I think, for me, it's been kind of just, like, consoles. Because for me, um, I'm a lefty kind of by default, so I have what's called cerebral palsy on my right side. And the type that I have, it's like my the muscles in my right arm and hand and leg are a little bit like tighter than my left. And I do have use of my right, but it's more of like a support kind of a thing. So when I'm playing, um, like, I don't know, like when I was a kid, I had I started out with the Game Boy SP and it was nice because I could play basically with my with my left hand and just play with like my pointer finger and my middle finger. And I was like playing for hours, like having a blast. And then um eventually like I kind of graduated to DS 
and I needed two hands and I could do it. I could press like A and B and I could move like my directions, but um, it was just harder because this the console was a little bit bigger. I really had to kind of like use my right hand. And I remember just kind of at some points being like, gosh, I can't get this level. Like I need help. So I'd go to my brother or like my mom or my dad and I'd be like, hey, can you guys help me like beat this boss? Because I can't do it. And then um, you just kind of sitting there being like, okay, like I want to be able to beat it. But I think it was just like physically, it was a little, it was a little bit more intricate with mm-hmm. the colors. So I wasn't quite able to do it. And I see my brother playing like all of his games on his PC and I kind of look at it. And even as an adult, I'm just a little bit intimidated. I'm like, oh, could I do it? Cause I, I type with my left hand too. And I, I'm kind of all over the keyboard, but if I need to do like keyboard controls and a mouse, I'm like, okay, how can I do that? Let me figure out. I don't know how I would do that. I would need some sort of like adapted control controller system mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. So are you able to are you able to like use like an like an Xbox controller or something for stuff or not really? I can. Um, like Nikhil and I played o- like Overcooked and stuff, and I'm able to use what is it. The, um, the the Switch Pro controller, right? Or the yeah. jo- or, or the Joy Cons or no, whatever. Yeah, she's the Pro controller. Yeah, yeah. So I've used that, and um, like for <laughs> especially with Overcooked, when it's like super like time sensitive, and you have to do things really fast. There are times where I have to push like X or Y, and I'll have to kind of physically kind of stop moving my character and either use my left thumb to kind of push the button or kind of move my right thumb so that way I can actually push the accurate button or I'll miss a button and I'll press I'll press like x instead of b or something funny because my thumb just kind of moved that way I am able Mm -hmm. to play it um and growing up we had like this the Game Boy SP was probably my favorite we had DS which was okay um, the GameCube controller was, was all right, but I mostly just played like Mario Kart. So it wasn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had the Wii. I remember liking the Wii a lot because I could kind of just move the controller and have it. I didn't really have to push a whole lot of buttons basically. It was the motion. It was the yeah. motion of like my hand moving and stuff like that. Um, but then again, I played a lot of like just dance or like Wii Sports. So that was kind of the whole point. But I think yeah. that's why I liked it is because it was easier to kind of control. One thing I've seen from a lot of other folks who have um, motor disabilities is that they end up playing a lot of like turn-based games. Yeah. Um, is that something you've like dived into? Um, I think so. Well, I, I think that that would probably be like the most entertaining for me is to play like driving games like i i tell people all the time they're like what's your favorite video game i'm like mario kart because it's so easy for me to just kind of like hold Mm -hmm. down the a button and move with my controller and like as a kid i was pretty good i haven't played it consistently for a while and my skills have kind of gone down a bit i need to kind of get back up there but i do really like um mario kart a lot and i know that over the holidays, my brother and I visited our parents, and um, he kind of found his old Game Boy SP. I think mine broke at some point, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, but he found it, and he was like, hey, do you want to play? And so we found out we still had a bunch of, like, the Game Boy SP games, and I was playing, and I was, like, playing Donkey Kong. And 
I remember playing it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember when I would sit like in my room hiding out playing for like two, three hours, just trying to get through the game. And I was just kind of sitting there doing it. And then I would kind of call on my brother if I ever got to a level or a point where I was just like, I can't do it because I'm not as skilled as he is. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. you, you do this level and then I'll continue it. But I think because of the way I was able to use the controllers, I didn't feel as frustrated. I kind of was like, okay, let me let him take care of it and then I'll get back and I can take care of yeah. that. Yeah. Gotcha. I think it might be cool for you to check out some like tactical games and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like Fire Emblem or, or like, you know, Final Fantasy, stuff like that, where it's, you know, just, uh, you know, you don't have to like depend on reflexes or anything in any way. You're just like p- do choosing things in a menu, essentially. Oh, cool. We'll have yeah, to but I'm, I'm sure Nikhil knows a lot of like, you know, turn based games like Nikhil, you have Mario Rabbids, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's like a turn-based tactical game that doesn't require any reflexes. It's just like, you know. Yeah, you just put your you just like put your, your inputs in for each turn, you know. And then you Yeah, I guess even Pokémon kind of is like Pokémon is also a turn-based, you yeah. know, RPG. Like there are a lot of there are a lot of games like that that I think you can get like the full 100% experience out of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I'm I'm sure Nicole has a couple of those. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited. Um yeah, so I think this is my other like main uh, question we can kind of close out on. But like, if there was an easy mode for like Dark Souls or Elden Ring, like would that encourage you to play it, or do you are you just not interested? Uh, I'm kind of on the fence. I think as a novice gamer, I would like welcome an easy mode just to kind of like maybe get my bearings and kind of figure it out a little bit more and kind of build my confidence but Mm -hmm. just like for playing the game in general like I don't think anybody ever really wants the easy way out necessarily like kind of what was mentioned earlier is like we just want to be able to play the game you know the way that it was intended to to be played and the way that it was kind of like written or designed in terms of in terms of like a difficulty yeah level we just want to be able to access it and play it like in a different way that suits like you know that would suit like my needs for example yeah mm-hmm. no I, I get that like I, I i think it's cool to have like an easy mode but it also isn't the same as like making it uh something where like there are a lot of people i, I mean i would wager that the proportion of disabled people who would want to play a game like uh, on its regular difficulty is probably the same as like you know non-disabled people like yeah i think that's i mean every game should probably have an easy mode just for people who don't game as much and you know don't want to take it too seriously and just want to play more casually i think like Mm -hmm. i mean like obviously games like animal crossing that doesn't make sense but like (laughs) you know in general games should have some kind of like easy mode option um for people who just want to take it more casually and don't want to try too hard yeah yeah uh that's me um just widen the scope for so many more people you could appeal to because like when i come home from work sometimes i don't want to do shit i want to like watch a movie or something but like if i'm playing a game where i don't have to think too much or like it doesn't require that much energy it would help so much one yeah one something i've been doing to kind of like because like the last week before this i was also playing horizon forbidden west and i'm actually playing that on the highest difficulty so it's like something that like requires all of my attention every second um, and so like when I'm not playing that, like I just wanted something chill. So I've actually been playing an old, um, game on my 3ds called soul hackers, which they just released a, a sequel to, or they just announced a sequel is coming this year. 
Um, it's by the same developers as Persona. It's like one of their older games, though. Um, and they ported it to the 3DS. But it's also a turn-based RPG. So there's literally no action in it. Like, you're just, you know, you're walking around the map, you're interacting with people and stuff, and, you know, working with all this gear and, and equipment stuff, and then you you have all these demons that you're able to capture and, and summon and battle with, you know, and it's all, like, you know, just selecting in menus and everything. So um, that's kind of been... Shop? Sorry? Did you get it on the eShop? Yeah, 20 bucks on the eShop. Because isn't the eShop gone forever in like a week in or something? In a year. Oh, in a year. Okay. I saw that it was announced that it was going away forever. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going away in a year, which is what prompted me to look at the eShop and be like, all right, what were some eShop exclusives I might want? And I was like, oh, the, you know, the Persona developers made this game a while ago. It got ported. Let me try that out. Oh. Um, so anyway, um, actually, you know what? I recommend that. Go Go get it. It's a, it's a fun game, and I think you'd be able to play it quite easily, just the same way everyone else does. Yeah. Um, that's kind of been my wind down game, though. Like if I was playing Elden Ring or Horizon or something, and like it's like really action packed, I'm like, all right, let me play this for like 30 minutes and then like cool down and like chill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because like, yeah, you, you can't just be like 100, 100 percent of the day. Got Agreed. it. Um, yeah. But anyway. Um, yeah, so uh, do you have any other any thoughts or, or um, anything like that? Anybody? Um, I just think it's really cool that you all are like talking about it on a podcast and just kind of bringing it more to light. I think, well, for me, it's it's a little bit of like a personal experience. So it's like something that I've kind of like kind of known growing up. But um it was really kind of nice to hear all about like the history and like a lot of the background and some more stats as to like cool. what, what consumers are, are feeling and going through. And then also like kind of what developers are trying to do or maybe where they're falling a little bit short, maybe where they need to like pick up a yeah. little bit more. So that was really cool for me to get to learn. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know what? I just remembered another really cool thing. Uh, there's a game called paradise killer. It's a single player, little indie game. It's like a, a mystery game. There's a mm-hmm. lot of like, crazy colors in it that sometimes make it hard to like understand what things are because it's like very like synth wavy and they're actually again it's a single player game but there's eight different color blind modes that are available for it so that you can like see things clearly and like just you know navigate the game normally just the world Mm -hmm. which is like that that's cool i don't know that that was one thing that i just remember that stuck out to me is going a little bit extra that's good I think it's really impressive when the independent game companies are the ones that are really making games. They really are like, yeah, it's really, it's, it's sad because it is mostly the, the indie games that are making all these strides that are trying so hard to like work for the most people. And I mean, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because they're not driven by the bottom line as much sometimes, you know, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know, but yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for uh, coming. And that was, I'm glad we were able to talk about this. Cause like, it is something that's been people have been talking about for like a long time and mm-hmm. doesn't really have like an easy uh, solution to a lot of these issues for for on our end, you know. So um, but yeah, like keeping it in the conversation, keeping people talking about it, more and more developers will hopefully realize this is something that's not like optional, um, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, try to make some strides there. But yeah, so uh uh, Nikhil, do you have anything you wanna you wanna plug or anything or close out on? Um, no, I don't think I have any any plugs. But yeah, I think it's it's a it's a great topic, and glad we were able to to cover it. And I think it's gonna get better as we as we go, and these companies like continue to get pressured and see what works well and what sells well. 
Eh, cool. Yeah. Um, Marissa, do you have any, do you have any creative projects you want to plug? You know what? I, I don't at the moment, but, um, I just kind of want to, if there are any like developers that are listening to this, just kind of let them know that it's, it just takes a little bit of like creativity, a little bit of like ingenuity, which I mean, these are like creative people. They have like a ton of ideas and, you know, a lot of the bigger companies do have quite a few resources. Um, and just kind of thinking about it, just, you know, there's, there's ways to get it done. It just takes a little bit of time. It is going to be maybe a little harder for sure. Not going to lie. It might just take a little bit more time, but we can get it done. And I think we can make a lot of progress in the years to come. We've made a lot of strides, you know, in the past 10, 15 years. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what the gaming like community looks like, you know, five, 10 years from now, even or two years from now, even like moving forward. Exciting. Yeah. All right. Uh, Alyssa, you got anything? Um, not really. Just streaming still. Uh, maybe you guys will catch me on my latter half of Titanfall 2. If you come check out the stream at Go Ballistic on oh. Twitch. All right. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, at Gandizi on, on Twitter and on, on Twitch, but I'm, uh, I'm so sporadically on there. You shouldn't follow me. Don't follow me there. Um, don't waste the free follow oh no, no. <laughs> um but yeah i think that um you can uh, i'm trying to think what's going to be up um we have a new video up on our, our youtube channel right now uh, actually about uh sifu where uh jp is not good enough to beat it so he's uh he drank six kool-aid jammers at once to <laughs> give him enough power to do it did it work uh, you have to watch the video to find out. Oh no! <laughs> we gotta watch now. Now I'm um, intrigued. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, that should be up, and then I think our, uh, I think it'll be the next week. So next week our, our Elden Ring review will be up on the on the channel. I think so. Um, okay. All right. Well, thank you guys for for joining us. Um, I don't think we said anything funny this time. <laughs> no, it was more of a serious episode. But this I think was it's a serious episode. Serious I also don't. I don't have like a funny title for this one. I don't know. Probably doesn't need a funny title. Yeah, probably. <laughs> not. Yeah, maybe needs a, a real title, just a regular title. Yeah, like uh, a real easy to find title. Yeah. <laughs> we did mention SpongeBob earlier. That's funny. We could, oh yeah, yeah. SpongeBob is funny. I'll put it in the description. All right. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. I don't have like a good funny thing for us to go out on either. Um, so, uh, just uh, happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy Leaf Erickson Day. Happy Leaf Erickson Day. Uh, yeah, Leaf Erickson Arr, Day. <laughs> yeah, Inga Dinga Dirt. Is that racist, actually? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> right. We're going we're gonna to say no. All right. Thanks. No, it's okay. It was. We're quoting SpongeBob. Yeah. Is, any, is anybody here, like, even, like, a little Scandinavian? No. No. Okay. I'm going to guess we're not. I'm sorry, right. Scandinavian listeners, if, you, if there are any of you out there. Yeah. Oh, it's October 9th. Oh, it's a what? real holiday. I thought they were just making it up. No, Leif Erikson, <laughs> Leif Erikson is real. He's a real it guy. Is true. No, no, but the, I day, knew, but the, the day. day. Happy Leif Erikson Day. Yeah, it's yeah. There's a, there's a whole day for it. It was, was the first. Sport. I think he was the first uh, expedition uh, of he Europeans to find America, right? Find yeah. Uh, yeah, set foot in North America. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we've learned something today. Yeah. That's our this fun has been educational. Day. 
all around. <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll be uh, we'll be back next week uh, with a more with a funnier and less educational episode, <laughs> or maybe more educational content if that's what you guys want to listen to. Yeah, if you guys are up for more co- educational content, get get us that uh, Scholastic sponsorship. Um, hit us up. Um, or give us ideas for topics too. Actually, yeah. I mean, like I was saying, like it is cool that like, I mean, okay. So like when I was still trying to figure out what the format of the show was the first like 20 weeks I was doing it. Um, like one of the things I did bounce around was just like covering specific like topics or features of the gaming industry, like, which might be a thing to do, uh, more often now. Cause like, um, I don't know, things like, things like this are, are, um, probably like it's good for, for it to be like, you know, for the information to get out there and stuff for awareness. So, yeah, maybe we'll we'll find some uh, some more stuff to do this kind of a thing. Yeah, mental health and gaming is a big one. Yeah, mental health is another oh, one. That'd be good. Like, um, you know, uh, stuff considering like you know, racism and uh, you know, uh, misogyny in the gaming industry. That would oh, be a that'd fun be a one. Really big one. That'd be a long episode. It'd be that'd a be series. Like a three-hour episode. <laughs> It'd be like a part one. Yeah. Or like a parts episode. For some yeah, movie. part one: the dark heart of man. Titanic length uh, misogyny and gaming episode. Yeah. All right. right, Well, yeah. Anyway, so we'll uh, we'll be back next week, and thank you guys for joining us. 